Hello and welcome in. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday indeed. It is episode number 58 of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name is Alex Reamer. If it sounds like I'm out of breath, that's because I am. Uh, I have spin class in a few minutes, running a little behind today, but we got to get the podcast up on time. So thankfully for all of you, I won't be blabbering that much this week. We'll get right to our guest, who is awesome. But first, I do want to say, I guess I will blabber a little bit. <laughs> it will be brief, but I do want to say, uh, as Deputy Managing Editor of Outsports, I am proud of the stuff that we do on a daily basis, but that has never been more true than it is this week. We've been talking about it on this show for months. We write about it. We cover it all the time. The attack on trans athletes unfolding across this nation and unfolding with great fervor in state houses across the country, in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, and we, I think, did, if I may pat ourselves on the back here, uh, I think we did an incredible job of highlighting and showcasing all of the important voices for trans inclusion that needed to be showcased this week. And if we missed anybody, please let us know. Our, our great managing editor, Don Ennis, uh, she does a uh, roundup of the best LGBTQ sports news every day. We call it uh, On Deck. And, uh, and I'm sure she'd be happy to feature something there. So it's, uh, it, it's just so many important of these, so many of these stories are so important. They need to be told. And it's, uh, and it's our pleasure to tell them. I mean, ultimately, as we were talking about last week with Fallon Fox, these athletes, these kids, they just want to play. They just want to play with their friends like everybody else. That's what this is about. This is not rooted in feminism. This is rooted in transphobia. So if you missed all our coverage, I suggest you read it. Important stuff. Uh, with that said, I am super excited to get to my interview this week. Sarah Crowley is awesome. She is the host of the Tom Babe podcast, which is a great title. She also is an out former college, not just lacrosse player, but all American. She went to UMass Amherst, where she underwent a sexual awakening. And in her current podcast, she talks about that awakening, breaking gender roles. It's a super interesting podcast. It's a super interesting conversation. Sarah is awesome. And she's coming up on the other side of the sports kiki. And welcome back. It is the Sports Kiki Podcast, as I was mentioning in the opening. Uh, really excited for our guest this week because, above all else, she is a UMass Amherst alumnus. My father is a UMass alumnus, Sarah. Sarah Crowley is the host of the Tom Babe Podcast and a former All-American D1 cross pl- lacrosse player at UMass Amherst. And now she's on the Sports Kiki Podcast. Sa- Sarah, how are you? Thanks for the time. I am doing awesome. Oh my gosh, your dad was at UMass. It is literally the best school ever. That makes me so happy. <laughs> yes. I think to spite him, I never applied there, but now in my adulthood, <laughs> I regret it. Um, it. Seems like it was a great time. <laughs> Definitely a good time. <laughs> what, I'm also what, excited to be on here with you today, too. What, what brought a Long Island girl to UMass? Solely lacrosse-based or were there other factors? I mean, definitely all started with lacrosse. I actually got recruited to play at uh, UVA, University wow. of Virginia. Um, yeah, and I, I played there for a year. We went to the Final Four, which was a super awesome experience. 
And um, I was just dealing with some social issues there and some confidence. And I decided to switch schools to be a little bit closer to home, get a new perspective on things. And UMass Amherst picked me up and I've been happy ever since. <laughs> yeah, I mean, UMass is such a cool uh, school and it's such a cool area for people who don't know. It's in Amherst, Massachusetts, which it, which is in Western Mass. And it's just beautiful, bucolic, mm-hmm. like idyllic college town area it really is kind of a, a slice of utopia <laughs> yeah literally it's just oh it was beautiful and everyone there to be honest it's like definitely an area full of people who are more like hippies yes. and everyone's just open to so many different kinds of ideas and ways of life um and i really needed that at that point in my life which we can go into later but it definitely gave me a new perspective kind of being in this more rural area and it's just random town. It was, it was just amazing. I, it made me so happy. Yeah. So how, let's start there. How did playing lacrosse at UMass play a role in your evolution? So yeah, when I got there, I didn't know anybody. Um, I was basically that transfer girl, which a lot of transfer athletes have dealt with where you kind of have to start from scratch. No one there is new like you, except for the freshmen on the team. And I was a sophomore, so I was a little bit older, trying to figure out new friends, the new area. I didn't even have a roommate. I didn't get paired with anyone on a sports team. So I was kind of stuck in this situation where I had to kind of find my own path. Um, and UMass definitely made that a little bit easier, because like I said before, everyone who goes there, they're just so open, and all of the things available there like for mental health services, for academics, for sports, for clubs. It just serves a wide array of different kinds of people. And especially when you're that age, it's definitely like a lighthouse for people who are kind of struggling um, to accept themselves and find their identity. So, yeah, I mean, that's where my whole evolution and just confidence in general started and how I found myself just stepping foot on this campus allowed me to grow as a person. So what's your coming out story? Oh, so my coming out story. <laughs> um, contrary to popular belief, I know that a lot of people, um, especially in the LGBTQIA plus community, don't believe that some people just realize one day that they have a fluid sexuality or they're into different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. But that actually happened with me when my entire life up until I got to UMass, I did not realize that I was into women or into people other than men because my entire life I thought I was straight, like completely straight, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Wow. I had no qualms about it, like completely, like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I was into boys. And once I got here, I actually, it's going to sound so funny, I took um, a gender in society class my, what was it, around junior year, and I was dating a guy at the time. And um, I took this class and it opened my eyes in a way. And I was always into kind of like those social justice issues and helping people who are different than me. I was always really into that kind of stuff. And then I took this class and I learned about all these different sexualities and how gender plays a role in society. And I became obsessed with it. I loved it. I felt like I was super passionate about it. And of course, you can be straight and super passionate about that but I slowly realized why I felt such a connection to this type of topic. Um, So my year started, my senior year actually started, I had broken up with my boyfriend and there was a girl on the team that was a freshman and I 
started realizing I was into her and just literally out of nowhere, I just realized I woke up one morning. I was like, wow, I am attracted to this person. And again, a lot of people don't believe that's true. But for my experience, that's how it was, whether I was blinded or not, that's what ended up happening. And I slowly started recognizing like, okay, I am definitely intellectually attracted to sexually attracted to just completely attracted to this person. And I kind of just took it with a grain of salt. Nothing really confused me about the situation. I definitely didn't want to tell anybody about it because I was figuring it out for myself. Um, But yeah, and then that other person also realized that they were into me as well. And we started this whole secret affair, basically, for how many months was it? It was like one, two, three. It was about five months of being like in the closet on our own team and to our own families. And only my closest friends knew about it. Only about three of them knew the entire team didn't know. And then, um, unfortunately, but fortunately when it came to around the season starting in around February, um, someone on the team outed us and that really sucked. Yeah. Um, it was, it was emotional. It was, it was just, Honestly, it was just, it just really, really sucked. It was like emotional turmoil for a while. And especially for the person I was with because um, they were kind of struggling with their own kind of family issues and identity issues at the same time. But, I mean, lucky for me, I had a solid support system and a family who understood. And most people don't get that or at least don't expect it. And I did not expect my family to react the way that they did. Um, they reacted in a positive way. And yeah, so slowly people started figuring it out. I walked into the locker room one day and I knew that everybody had known. Like it was just the talk of the team. I walked in and everyone was just amazing about it. Like I had people coming up to me saying that like it makes no difference to them. Like they're proud of me. Like it's awesome. They started just making jokes about us and like in a good way, in like a friendship kind of way about us dating and all this stuff. And it really was surprising to me that this entire time I was terrified to come out. I was terrified to tell my family. I was terrified to tell my own team who loved me. And I don't know why I did that. I was creating all of this anxiety out of nowhere. No one was bullying me. No one told me they wouldn't like me. It was all internalized. And again, I am so lucky that I had this support system because a lot of people don't get that. But I just assumed that it would be like, an absolute volcano of destruction the second that people found out. And it wasn't. Well, my question is, though, well, first of all, how about the teammate who outed you? What was her eventual reaction? So this person was always go- was also going through something at the time herself. Okay. Um, it was more of like an accidental outing where she kind of told someone else and then it trickled around the team. Um, you know how teams go. <laughs> Everyone ends up finding out, especially with a team of girls. It, um, but... To this day, I I forgive her and the other people who spread it around. Um, I'm happy that it happened because it gave me, like, because I knew I wouldn't have done it myself. And like I said, other people, it's not okay for other people to out you in any sense of the word. Mm -hmm. But in my experience, I knew I would not have done it myself. Um, And I guess I I needed a push in some kind of way. Unfortunately, that was the push. Well, I... I, I guess my question is, though, so you're taking this gender studies class at UMass Amherst. You said you're, you were always into social justice issues. 
So <laughs> why do you think there was this disconnect between your politics and your intellect, you know, and what you thought intellectually and what you were mm-hmm. feeling inside with your sexuality? Yeah, it's it was definitely this weird like dichotomy of not understanding again, like people can love all of those things, be super into like gender issues and, and social political things like that. Um, but I just never really put two and two together. And why I think that was, was because I was in a relationship with a guy for three years, um, pretty straightforward relationship, nothing really fluid about it. And I, I guess I never really found confidence until my senior year of college. And I think that's where it all lied for me I just realizing who I was as a person kind of came about once that senior year started and I broke up with my ex and I started really trying to dress the way I want expressing myself and I guess just that that action of deciding to be more open with the people around me and with the things I was learning about myself and other people helped to open that door for me to realize who I actually was and it's so hard to explain but once you actually are open to things and and not blocking yourself off at every single corner, you really become aware of what you're capable of and who you actually are. Did you find that coming out inspired others on your team or those close to you? So this is this is funny because <laughs> at the time, let me think about it back then. Whew, so this was 2017 when I graduated and I was outed in 2017 so at the time, there was, I don't believe there was anyone else who was out on the team, who was that anyone knew was gay or like any part of the spectrum. Um, and once we were outed and we came out and we started talking about it, I don't know if it was because of us or it was because people just started feeling more comfortable or it was a coincidence, but it was like there was a rainbow volcano erupted <laughs> on the team. There were people who came out to us that I had no clue even swung in any kind of direction who had been with guys for years or who just weren't really with anybody and kind of kept to themselves and they came out to us and I just couldn't believe it that I was even blind to the fact that they were they were like sexually fluid and it was about it was about like I would say five people came out after that um, I'd have to think about the names in my head, but it was around five people. And it was just, I wish that I had experienced this earlier because if this was the case, the reason why they came out was because of us and seeing how happy we were. I wish I had just done it earlier to give them the chance to express themselves too and feel comfortable. Wow. But yeah, five, it was, five it was surprising. A, vo- a rainbow volcano. I love it. Five people wow crazy yeah, it was it was pretty nuts and it was sad at the same time yeah. i was like wow how many more people are also in the closet and again the next year came around where i was still on campus i was getting my master's but i wasn't on the team anymore because i had graduated um and i don't know if it's like a gen z thing or <laughs> or if it was because the culture on the team changed um but there were so many openly gay women on the team and it was just awesome it was it was just so amazing to see and I'm so happy I stuck around to be able to see that evolution of the team and I'm regardless of whether we were the catalysts or not it was just a beautiful thing and it makes me so happy that people really feel comfortable 
and that they're in a supportive group of women. Are you Gen Z or millennial? I believe I'm considered a millennial. I'm yeah. 26. Okay, All yeah. All that stuff confuses me. Yeah, it's like the end. I know, you know, I'm 28. And I, I have I have a few friends who are in their early, you know, mid-20s. And I'm like, it's it, the, those, those Gen Zers, they're, I'm so fascinated by them because they like – they don't know life without Instagram, and and some of it, and some of it, I make fun of. But other times, it's also cool, and I think fluidity and their willingness to explore is a big part of that. And you identify as sexually fluid now, right? Yes, I do. I'm, I'm not really into all of the the identification. Right. Um, if you if people want me to call them that, I will. But for me, I just prefer fluid. That's very Gen Z of you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> So yeah, yeah. So so so, what do you think about that? This uh, yeah. So you were with a with you know had a girlfriend, and that and that led to you coming out. But you're, but yeah. What about these? Like, when did you come to this epiphany? Where, as you said, you didn't even consider liking anybody besides men up until your junior senior year of college, and now you don't want to ascribe a label to yourself. So how, explain that evolution. So after I graduated, um, I was with that, that girl for, we were probably dated about four more months, five more months, and then we broke up. And for the next year, I was, just to be honest, I was dating all different kinds of girls. I was really, really exploring that part of myself. Nice. Yeah, I was, I was trying to really embrace that side of me because I knew if there was ever a place to do it, it's while I'm still in college. And <laughs> And that's where I did it. And I learned so much about myself. I really found my identity, like in the smallest of ways. I was open to changing the way I dressed, to cutting my hair, dyeing my hair different colors, like exploring different, I just exploring different topics with my friends and really being open to more different kinds of experiences. And um, over that year, that was just an awesome experience. And then slowly but surely, then I moved to Boston and I lived with a group of girls twice, and then I decided to live by myself. And just throughout, like, socializing and this whole evolution of just being open to different experiences, like, I was I was dating guys, I was dating girls. And just as simple as that, I gave myself the chance to be vulnerable and explore these different energies within myself and being more confident and being more assertive. And then at the same time, taking care of myself more, being more in touch with who I am as a woman. And I don't know, just giving myself a chance. And that just seems so simple, but it's, it's really not giving yourself a chance is the hardest thing you can do. Um, and then over time, I, again, I said, I moved to Boston, then I moved back to Long Island and now I'm dating um, a straight man hmm. and we live together. And I am just so happy that I've, found someone who accepts me for the way I am and knows that I still am sexually fluid because a lot of people think that once you start dating one gender or one sex over the other that you're all of a sudden this identity like just because you date a girl like you're a lesbian or just because you date right. a guy now you're straight again like you're no longer bisexual or fluid right. um, and that really bothers me because my boyfriend knows that I will always be fluid um, and that's just the way I am. And so this evolution has just really changed me as a person um, and just moving to different places, deciding to live with different kinds of people, putting myself in different situations, giving myself a chance really led to that growth. 
That's great to, and you found a straight dude who's who's okay with that. Kudos to you. Um, <laughs> I know it's it's new, right? <laughs> I mean, it's much different when I was in college because I, I always knew I was gay, uh, different than you, I guess. But then I remember mm-hmm. the first time I had sex with a guy. I uh, well, I mean, I didn't get off, and then I thought maybe I was asexual. I was like either gay, straight, mm-hmm. or asexual. Those were my <laughs> two things. Which uh, obviously, <laughs> I've taken care of that question. Don't worry about it. Um, so let's. I do want to also talk about, and this is a nice transition to your current project, the Tom Babe Podcast. Uh, you spend a lot of time mm-hmm. talking about the idea that we all have these masculine and feminine energies, and we're constantly trying to balance these two things. Uh, what do you mean mm-hmm. by that? And what do you want to accomplish with this podcast? So it's this phenomenon where gender roles and energies collide. And I always thought they were the same masculine and feminine roles and energies, but they're not at all. What I want people to really understand is that throughout all these years of my evolution and discovering who I was and still discovering who I am as a person, I had these energies within me and I thought that they were gendered, but they completely are not gendered. Masculine and feminine energies are not gendered terms, but we mm-hmm. are obsessed right. with gendering these kinds of terms. And I just really want people to understand that you can use these terms to your advantage. And it's just an easier way to simplify like the sort of yin and yang within you. Um, so the podcast, it's the main goal is to really help you learn to flow between these energies um, when you use the term balance, I I definitely want people to understand that this isn't a 50-50 balance. That's not what I mean by balance. I mean harmony. There are people who say there's a man, and he could really be embracing and have a strength in his feminine energy, but he is sort of lacking in his masculine. And just because he has a strength in the feminine does not mean that he is weak and does not mean that he needs more masculine. It just means that that's where his strength lies. And that's how he functions on a daily basis. And that's what makes him happy. So to, I guess, explain these energies before I kind of go into what the whole podcast is about. Um, again, these are not gendered terms. Mm. So feminine, which is basically the yin, is the side of us that harbors compassion, understanding, extensive communication skills, relationship building, creativity, self-expression, that openness, and also just being receptive and being able to just look within yourself. And then that masculine, which is basically your yang, harbors our diligence, our discipline, focus, willpower, structure, logic, and it's more of an action-oriented. So feminine is more of that receptive, that taking in, and masculine is more of that giving out, that action-oriented. And people tend to freak out when they hear that. They're like, oh, the feminine, we don't just take things in, and masculine, you don't just give things out. I get that, but you can't make yourself believe that this is female and male, which is so hard to understand. Yeah, it is. Um, (laughs) It's pretty hard to get. And so it's just, we need to understand that these are not opposites. That's where people start to get angry and start to not be able to understand what these really mean and how they can help them. These are not opposites. These are complementary of each other. They're so complementary of each other. So this is basically a simpler gateway to self-improvement. I have found that we struggle with taking those first steps to change our lives. And we struggle with the concepts and the action. In my own life, I found that compartmentalizing my actions and thinking into these two energies made changing my life a lot simpler. 
and telling yourself that you're going to intentionally tap into these energies really helps you to better understand what your goals and your actions are actually going to be. Um, and when I was going through this growth, like with my sexuality and my identity, I thought that because I started dating girls that I had to start dressing a certain way and hmm. I had to start acting a certain yeah. way. And I needed to fill this role in a relationship with other girls. Like, who was I going to be? Was I going to be um, the, the guy or the girl? Right. I, I had this weird, like, internal thought pattern that was, like, ingrained in me that just wasn't real. It was, like, the weirdest thing, and I hated it. And I don't know why I was, like, societally brought up to think that way automatically. Um, and then once I kind of got through that phase a little bit of thinking that I needed to fit in with these certain things, I realized what kind of women I'm into, what energies they provide, like whether they are more in their feminine or their masculine. And then I realized what guys I was into and everything in between and whether they are more in their feminine or their masculine and in what situations they used these energies. The harmony is just so important. And once you start realizing what these energies really are in your own life, you can pick up on a vibe immediately, especially when you're dating and especially when you're trying to work on it in a team or work with other people, you start to pick up, on vulnerabilities and defenses and mm. over aggressiveness and you start to realize mm. okay these people are in excess of these two energies and they really need to embrace their strengths and not just accept themselves for who they are if they're unhappy you know i mean it's, it's like that in gay relationships too where stereotypically mm -hmm. like let's say i let's see let's say i see a couple out to dinner and there's one you know, kind of twinky, femme-looking guy and another big, bulky guy, I go, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep, I know who's pitching and I know who's catching. You know, like that, like that, like that, like that, like that comes to my mind when that's not necessarily true. But wait, but those are so, yes. but, but these are, as you mentioned, though, these are ingrained in us where even someone like, you know, even me, a gay man, I still instinctively sometimes go to that place. Yeah, exactly. And what's so interesting about it is that I believe truly that in a relationship, there is going to be someone who embraces more of that assertiveness and someone who embraces more of that nurturing sense. And I just think this is harmony in a relationship in general. Right. But if we gender that, that's where we are get completely wrong. I don't like, just because you see, like you said, for your example, a guy who looks beefier and then a guy who looks a little bit smaller and more seems like they're more feminine. This does not mean that that smaller guy is weak is, or something, right? Is weaker or even is in more in their feminine, is right. the one who's nurturing, is the one who is the, the more compassionate one, the one who's more expressive and creative. The other guy could be that dominant one in the relationship. Like, that's just the case. And right. everything is harmony. Um, and there's reasons why we're attracted to certain people. Usually it's because we're looking for that harmony in our own lives. And it's someone who helps balance us and gives us kind of what what we might be lacking or inspires us to embrace the side of us that we are lacking and helps us build and grow as a person. Um, but yeah, that those gender roles, man, that's why I keep saying like, it's so hard to get people to understand that these energies are not gendered. Um, Cause we just love, we love to organize everything in our heads just as humans. And it, we think it makes it easier, but it just makes it harder for us to learn other people's perspectives. Yeah, we are such a gender society. Like everything is rigid. Mm -hmm. Everything from the moment you grow up is defined by this rigid gender ID identities. Even today, I think. So, um Yeah. Yeah. Totally it, agree. It's uh yeah, it's um 
I was going to ask you something else, but, uh, oh, this is what I was going to ask you. How can we find the Tom Bay podcast? So you can find the Tom Babe podcast by going, either looking it up as Tom Babe podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, or you can find me on my Instagram at Scrowls, which is at S-C-R-O-W-L-V underscore. And the link to the podcast and all that good stuff is in my bio, um, along with, I believe you guys sent me that um, LGBTQ survey for athletes in high school and college. Um, and they're coming out stories and whether they've come out yet, that's also in my link. So if you guys want to look for that there too, you can, and there's going to be all different kinds of content and updates, um, on that Instagram page. Excited to see it. And what I was going to say was what, what you're describing is just a well-rounded person, someone who's both compassionate and assertive when they need to be. That to me sounds like, again, a well-rounded person. So, you know, right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's exactly. And like I said, it, we are not ever going to find that perfect balance. Like that's just, you are innately happier in a certain kind of energy in certain situations. And sometimes you might dominantly be in that energy, like you're for a majority of your life. And that's okay. As long as it's healthy and it's mindful. Like when people talk about toxic masculinity, there is a masculinity level that is mindful and healthy. And there is a femininity level that can be toxic and also mindful and healthy. It's the second these things get out of whack that can lead to depression, neediness, domination, anxiety, aggressiveness. That's, those, those issues mean that these energies are off. And there's always a way to bring them back in harmony. Always. Sarah Crowley, you can follow her and find mm-hmm. her on the Tom Babe podcast. Sarah, thanks for the time. This was great. Of course. Anytime, Alex. Thank you. So a big thanks again go out to Sarah Crowley for taking the time and coming on the show. And of course, a big thanks go out to all of you listening. So long. We'll talk to you next Saturday.